everyone, and welcome to a special edition of NBA is Unplugged. I'm your host, Fej McDermott, and today we are going to dive into May the 4th celebration. So this is going to be a special podcast recording centered around the obvious holiday, May the 4th, which is, uh, for those who are unaware, I guess, uh, pretty much the, the, the Star Wars, pretty much, I don't know, like national holiday, I would say. And so today I'm actually going to be joined by five other uh very, I guess, dedicated members of the Star Wars fandom. <laughs> so kind with me right so now. Kind. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say like dedicated. <laughs> There's a reason why they're here, and we'll go into that later in the show. Uh, but for the time being, I'll just feel free to introduce them. So uh, I'll just name you guys, and you can just give like a one or two sentence. That means one to two sentences, okay, Josh? Uh, <laughs> okay. Wow. <Here> okay. <laughs> so our first guest today is Josh Wallenick. Yeah, I'm Josh Wallenick, and uh, you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy than this assemblage of six bearded men talking about Star Wars. <laughs> Next up, we have Garrett Ellison. I like Star Wars not as much as these guys, but I'm happy to any any format where I can have a spirited debate uh, because I'm lonely. Welcome to... Uh, welcome to- <laughs> the Garrett COVID cooking show will be coming out later, obviously. Um, next up, we have Alex Owen. Hey, I'm Alex. Um, I barely knew what Star Wars was uh, until like a month before we went into lockdown. So. <laughs> He's going to be an integral part of the show, trust me. Um, next up, we have Steven Ayers. Hey, I'm here to talk about how awesome The Last Jedi is and how much I love yeah. Obi-Wan Rat Tail. Mm, the Rat Tails, okay. <laughs> And then last, certainly not least, we have AJ Sadler. Hello there. <laughs> I'm, I'm here mainly to talk about how great A New Hope is, but also to revisit the prequels and all of their majesty and uh, really celebrate how much they got into the politics of Star Wars. <laughs> the Galactic Republic of the Senate. All right. So I guess yeah, the, way, the way this show is going to work today is um, – pretty loose but i would like to sort of i guess have some sort of cadence behind it and there's going to be i guess some area dedicated talking about prequels the original trilogy and the sequels so is there any order in which that you guys would prefer to go with that or would you rather just go like chronologically here alex uh i mean i just (laughs) finished watching the prequels this morning so (laughs) they are fresh on my mind but whatever you guys want to go with I think I think whatever Alex has questions about, or or like where like what would be your soapbox to start? So okay, so one thing that oh, I no, 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 no. what what trilogy are you starting with? I don't want you to dive in right now. We want to figure out the order first. <laughs> Prequels. Okay. Yeah, the masterpieces. Let's warm into the good stuff. All right, we'll start with the prequels, and then we'll figure out which way we want to go from there. Uh, but before we do that, I definitely want to throw you guys through some trivia, since I know you guys are all a fan of trivia. So uh, we're going to go into a quick trivia around here. Uh, and this is going to be all based on uh, Star Wars planets. So how well do you know the planets of Star Wars? Uh, you look smug already. <laughs> this, this one, Where's- this was first one actually might be pretty hard. So what planet is not named in one of the opening text crawls in the films, any of the films? Naboo, Four, or Coruscant? Coruscant. Oh. Say it again. So what planet is not named in one of the opening text crawls in the films? Naboo, Hoth, or Coruscant? 
Although they start off. Naboo. They start two in chorus. Oh, no, they have to. The the word Naboo has to be one of the first ones. No, it's not. It can't be in the first one. It can't be Naboo. They don't start at Naboo. Right. And two, they start in chorus on, right? That's where Oh, no. One does start. One starts in orbit of Naboo on the trade. Yeah, it's in the trade. I'm not even sure which one is Hoth, but that's (laughs) one's going with the ice planet. Empire. Empire starts on the ice planet. The the frosty one. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Any, oh, any any leading? Uh, I'm taking. Right. I'm taking uh, yeah. C. C. No, A. Naboo. Uh, what what are the options? Sorry. Naboo, Hoth, and Coruscant. This is going to be a long podcast. Naboo. Yeah. <laughs> says Hoth in the Empire Crawl. Like I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah. yeah. So, Naboo. I guess like you guys will know your own answers here, so you guys can know whether you're doing well or not. Uh, the answer is Coruscant. Coruscant, oh. not named. Yeah, baby. In any of the opening crawls. Oh. Because I believe the first one, it does start on that boo. Uh-huh. And in Hoth, it's one of the fifth ones that's in Hoth. But, do, Alex, doesn't, doesn't the third one start at Coruscant as well? Like, it orbited Coruscant, right? Because they were going to can- yeah. Right. right. It's the Chancellor. two ships. It's when they're going to get... Um, who are they going to say? They're go- the Chancellor. Or uh, what's his right. name? The team from Christopher Palpy. Lee. From Dooku. They're going for Palpy and they're going to kill Dooku. Yeah, and that's when what's her face almost got assassinated. Padman. That's yeah. That's three. That's as well. the oh no, that's the second. Yeah. Okay. I watched two starts. Cool. The of the show. All right. Uh, oh, this one's this one's kind of mess up a lot of people. Uh, hopefully, uh, which so I'm kind of skipping the ones that are easy and just picking out the hard ones here. Uh, which planet was not added to the 1996 special edition of Return of the Jedi? So I guess I guess there was like a special oh, edition wait. where they added like the little celebrations going on throughout the galaxy, and yeah. so you have Coruscant, Hoth, or Bespin. Hoth. 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 Hoth again. Definitely Hoth. 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 You can go to Hoth in the yeah. No way. Because they definitely There's no people there. They definitely go to Coruscant. It's just John Ratzenberger with a giant banner at Hoth. Like <laughs> we did it, we won. <laughs> I forgot he's in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're right. It was Hoth. Hoth was not added because of its <laughs> desolate population. So, um, hmm, which of the following is I'll come on my own after this, but this quiz is pretty easy. Which of the following films does not feature Tatooine? Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones, or The Empire Strikes Back? Empire. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll come on my own for the last. This will be the last one before we dive into prequel stuff and really get Alex's gears turning here. Um, What is the name of the planet where... General Obi-Wan Kenobi kills General Grievous. Hello there. Hello there. <laughs> yeah, but that's his name of that planet. General Kenobi. <laughs> Was it on Kashyyyk? No. no that's where Yoda's on Kashyyyk. That's correct. I thought Yoda was in the Dagobah system. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is true. That's where his bachelor pad is, is, is on uh, in Dagobah. In the Bodega system? The bodega. <laughs> Wait, what, but where is it? Retired oh, no, no, no. Guess is on this one. This is one I can't help myself, so I'd be proud if I got all of it. This is episode three. This is um, 
Yep. Yeah, so it's Track got the like, long neck people who've got like the ornate dresses on. I could not tell you the name of this planet. And I watched this today. I could not oh, tell you. Where General Grievous was killed? Yeah. It's not Camino. That's the long neck people. Yeah, that's Camino. an attack of the clones. That's what, yeah, right. that's what oh, they yeah, tell all the clones are. The Wait, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the clones, but also the Grievous, they're like also alien esque people too. Maybe, but. <laughs> There's there's lizards. I know that they yeah, ride. Yeah, I just remember the lizard that he rides. And then... Oh, is it Geonosis? Yeah, there are lizards. No. It's not Geonosis. That's at the end of uh, Attack of the Clones. That's two, yeah. That's the climax there. So you, you um, name like, two of the other planets that are going on in the planet. There's Kashuk in three for sure. Um, It's not Mustafar, of course. Nope. You got you tapping it in? I'm going to say Kashuk in there. It is Utapal. Oh, okay. what? Sure. Utapal. Utapal. Like a mine right. planet. Right. It's like a mining planet. I know nothing about the planet besides its name is Utapal. <laughs> I think they do mining there. I, I think they're miners. All right. So Josh now we'll go. We'll go into a little like infrastructure. <laughs> I think yeah. they're infrastructure miners. What, what's their GDP like right now? It's like Utapal. It's high. Yeah. How do they what about their monetary policy, Josh? It's loose. Are they quantitative easing right now? <laughs> what was what was their they are easy? They are easy quantitative. They're M1. Sort of a thing going on there, like eye for an eye, no? Water system? Is that still outdated? Brings back, Veg. Brings back. I know, right? I gotta reel this in somehow. So now we're gonna like that's like the brief trivia for now. There will be more later on, so don't worry. Oh, I got more for you. Oh, and God, then we're gonna need there will be. We're gonna jump now into the prequels. Now, the reason why we had this cast of characters on board is because uh, recently during the USC holiday party, uh, there was almost, I guess, an auction involved with watching the original Star Wars films with Alex Owen, who hadn't seen any of them. In yeah. the what thirty some odd years that you've been living, and, and I'm thirty two, so yeah, you're thirty two yeah. odd years of not having seen even. any of these made it this far. I forget how who won it. Was it you, Stephen? Yeah, I won because I walked up to AJ and said, "What are we bidding on?" And AJ said, "We're bidding on watching Star Wars with Alex." And I said, "Hell yeah!" And I just <laughs> raised my hand instantly. <laughs> yeah, no, and it was, you know. We did it too. It was like, yeah. Oh yeah. It was like a claw thing. It was like unlimited claws. Watch the Star Wars, and of course, Fedge would be involved. (laughs) All right, but the best part about this experiment was when we got everyone together. So everyone on this podcast pretty much came together, or was part of this whole like, I guess, effort to put Alex through these. uh, Came up with arguably the best or worst idea of the order in which Alex should be watching these movies. <laughs> so un- like, unlike the traditional ones where you might start off at four or five, six, or even, I don't know, even newer methods such as start off from the prequels and work your way through, we decided what the hell with all that. Let's just start them from the worst one that we can all think of. And that's number two. And so that falls in line. Unbelievable. That's really a, some men want to watch the world burn and, and some people start their friends that haven't seen Star Wars. We just wanted to see if we could like drag him through like the worst days of Star Wars fandom and see if he would still come out actually like enjoying it. Uh, <laughs> I think it paid off. I, I think I think it paid off in the end, but we can we can go to we can defer to Alex for that initial. I think like yeah. 
yeah, I think that was a good approach in the end because we ended up watching, I guess, three that night. So we went, what, two, yeah. five, two, and six? We no, watched two, four. four, and five. We almost audible two, then four, then five? Yeah, he didn't watch three at all. <laughs> it now, was worth it. Hold on. It was worth it because in the middle of four, Alex just mutters, like, in desperation, this is so much better than two. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Though, to be fair, we almost didn't end up watching any because we almost audible to the NBA All-Star game. Right. <laughs> we were yeah. watching it in our Back apartment. And some guys came in and claimed that they had, you know, taken he was holding the remote, so. Rented the TV. <laughs> <laughs> apparently there was a remote. We couldn't find the remote the entire time. We were in this, like, I don't know, apartment movie theater. And apparently all you had to do was go on the front desk and take the remote, and it was yours for the day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we learned. Unbeknownst, I wasn't aware of that rule. I didn't even know we had a movie theater to be honest until like we ha- we had to do the Star Wars thing. I was and someone was like, "Oh, why don't you just do the movie theater?" I was like, the what? <laughs> I don't I don't explore our complex at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Alex, what was your opinions on the uh, the prequels overall? Then now that you sort of started at two and ended at three. Oh my god! <laughs> so I watched three this morning and i guess three was kind of redeeming like you get a little bit of a character arc of like why he's going a little negative i don't but he's like hayden christian is just so bad and i just kept thinking of josh's impression of him going i don't like sand <laughs> the entire time of course. I was watching it gets everywhere number three this morning I don't, like my whole thing was, I was wondering what were your guys' opinion as like lovers of this series, and like I, I'm assuming you guys had grown up with it and like really cherished it and sort of watched it coming out in real time. Like, what were you guys thinking about it? Of just the prequels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just All right, we can go, we can go down the line if you want, uh, starting with whoever wants to go first. I mean, the first one, I was like, I think it went from like my ninth or 10th birthday. Like it was something like that. So like we were kids and we had just seen like four, five, and six, because those were obviously on VHS. Yep. And then you watch the first one in theaters. You're like, wow, like they're going to do something. And then you see two and three and you're like, wait, but what, what do you, you chose? That was that you could tell any story. And this is the one you guys went with. And like, I mean, Stephen, when, how old were we when two came out? So two. Yeah. So I think I was like 11 or 12. And I remember thinking the second one was amazing because the yes. lightsaber battles at the end, and the, like I thought it was so cool. I remember tracking it out. GameStop. It was amazing. I loved that movie. Like the and it wasn't in climax. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until like, I don't know, four or five years later when I rewatched, it, I was like, this is awful. This is so bad. <laughs> But I was obsessed with the second one. I didn't like Phantom Menace, but I loved the second one. It's an interesting take. I yeah. haven't heard that one, to be honest. Scolding hot take. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's interesting because, like, that Yoda battle was my only, one of my few touch points with this series before I went into watching it because one of my friends was like, oh, my God, you have to see, like, Yoda, like, this battle at the end and him just, like, spazzing out with this lightsaber. And... Like, it was okay, I guess, but, like, I don't know. What Now watching it, it just seems so 
unnecessary? Well, I don't think know. about it in the, in the larger scope of, of the whole tale, right? So this came out, what was it, 70, whatever. And then in the, when the second movie, episode five, came out, there was hype over, like, there's this legendary warrior. There's this great guy who can teach Luke how to fight. And then when you actually watch the movie and go to the planet, like, it's this little, like, Frank Oz-controlled teddy bear. And then, like, then you see three, and, like, he still doesn't fight, but you hear he's this great warrior. So then you see one, and now he's in the chair, and you're like, wait. What, when am I actually going to see this guy be excellent? So that is the only yeah. real example in uh, up till that point in the fifth movie, episode two is the first time you've ever seen him be this dominant warrior. It's like, that's why they had mm-hmm. to set the bar high. Cause like yeah. there was hype back to the seventies about how good of a warrior he was. Yeah. They had, they had to, they had to let him flex a little bit at some point. So yeah, right. I, was like, I got, I got so lit for the episode two Yoda. Like I had the big Sprite, you know, this is sixth grade. I'm 11 years old. I was starting to wonder, I, I was like, I, how old were you? <laughs> if you're getting lit for Attack of the Clones. The, the, the first thing that I did when I got out of that movie, I was in the lobby and I started emulating the Yoda lightsaber battle, just bouncing around and just like, you know, because I, you know, I, I love Yoda. I, I, I think Yoda is one of the great things to come out of the series and like the puppetry of five and six Yoda is just like still incredible. And, you know, it's one of the best parts of Last Jedi is when Yoda comes back in his full puppetry. Oh yeah. And, like and, and and also full kind of Yoda philosophy. Like the Yoda of one, two and three was kind of a dumbass a little bit, right? Like he totally didn't see Calfi coming, right? Clouded. Like clouded. Everything's clouded. cloudy. What's, yeah. the, what's the and forecast today, cloudy. weatherman? Eh, cloudy. <laughs> there was this thing of like when episode one came out, Yoda was a puppet, and it was the same as we knew, and it was fantastic. And then they went back, and and upon the um like the second release of episode one on home video, it it was digitally remastered to have a a CGI Yoda, and I think it was because they were getting us ready for two. Yeah. and Yoda to like do things that a oh. puppet couldn't do. What did you think the first prequel had a puppet and they read it as digital before the second one came out? Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, AJ, but, I don't think know, we got your take on the yeah, whole yeah. prequel side so far. Yeah, so I'm, I come in a little younger, so I, I like remember going to see the first two, but I don't really actually remember... I guess seeing them, I remember being excited. Three is the one I remember seeing. So I already like had the preconceived notion that they were awful. Cause I, <laughs> my brother had basically told me like, these movies are terrible. <laughs> the originals are all that matter. Like Lucas at that point there, they had like redone the originals, but they weren't as bad as they are now. If you go to watch them. So like going into three, I was like very hesitant. And I remember loving three. Because three tied everything together. I was like, okay, this is nice. And like, mm-hmm. I remember not liking one and two. Um, so for me, it was the movie going experience was actually nice because I don't really remember going to see one or two and being let down. Because my experience being let down by George Lucas mm-hmm. is going to see uh, Indiana Jones and the, the Crystal Skull. Oh, God, you're going there. That's, that's <laughs> for Break. me. the brakes when I realized that art could hurt you was the summer of 08. That's when I realized that not all movies are good. 
Well, if it can uplift you and it can give you that extreme, you know, those chills, that, you know, movement, then yeah, the flip of that is it can sting. Yeah, and, but sting like that. I think I was I don't think that was the intent of the crystal skull, but you know at all. It wasn't the intent at all, but the South Park episode where oh God, we're not going there. Uh, <laughs> we're not going down that road. Go yeah. off the rails. We'll like, that speaks to it. <laughs> We'll have to do a whole control. other episode about Shia LaBeouf and Crystal Skull. Look, I mean, we'll have, like, I gotta come out with this. Four. I haven't seen. There's two movies that we're discussing right now. They haven't seen. One is the newest Star Wars, the most recent episode nine. I avoided that one, and yeah, I also have not it. yet seen Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull because I don't. I've been advised not to feel that pain. Um, so maybe that I'd be willing on a future podcast to take the hit of that. For the- <laughs> You, you know about the refrigerator, though, right? You know about the refrigerator. Oh, God. I you know about no the refrigerator? We're, we're not talking, talking about Kingdom of Christmas Skull right now. Indiana Jones gets into a refrigerator it's to survive the nuclear okay. okay, okay. Spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. Oh, come on. Spoilers. <laughs> you can't pick up these emotions for me. Let's move spoilers on. For a movie okay, I'm so, all right. So, I remember, like, also as a kid when Phantom Menace came out and like Darth Maul was the like focus. Like it was so cool. Like he had this double sided like lightsaber thing. Like he had this awesome face paint. Like he was just like the badass representation of the Sith. And then watching like the Phantom Menace yesterday and just I don't even remember him being in it, to be honest, like other yep. than a lightsaber battle. Except for the like, best lightsaber battle in the series. He was pretty much used for merchandise alone, I feel like, in that movie. Because like, I, it's the same thing with Boba Fett, where, I mean, everyone loves Boba Fett, but he's really not in the movies as much as people would assume that he was. Yeah, um, but how cinematic is that moment when the fucking lightsaber fires up and you see the two sides and that's our first introduction ever? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not diminishing it. I'm just saying, like the whole buildup. I mean, I guess the whole point was to show that it's almost like an invisible hand, sort of guiding things throughout the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Have a fight on on Tatooine. Yeah, Yeah, it's like super quick as they're leaving. It's like thirty seconds. I don't think any. No one even comes close to landing a blow. Right, and you don't see the double lightsaber. Then you only see one side of the lightsaber. It's just him and Qui Gon before the spaceship takes off. Special occasions. Yeah, Darth Maul is wasted, and that's a, he, they definitely bring him back in. I think that they bring him back in the Clone Wars series, yeah. and, and he's at the end of Solo, like one of the end credit spoilers. Yeah, he's badass, right. and that final fight is so cool. But man, so so yeah. speaking of hot takes, AJ came in with a hot take earlier today that was not on this podcast, but will be now that I'm including it. In that <laughs> he said Qui Gon Jinn was the most irresponsible character. In the now, my only question just before before you rebut is: we just did talk about the the lack of leadership that Yoda uh, portrayed in the first three movies, and allowing kind of the rest of the movies to happen by by being cloudy. But other than that, did Qui Gon was Qui Gon worse or better than Yoda in comparison in the trilogy in the in the first trilogy? Yo, Qui Gon was the Lebowski of Star Wars. He was a hippie, <laughs> right? He was irresponsible. And he, like, hit on Anakin's mom, by the way. Hard. He went hard for my hard. Went for Shmi. Shmi. <laughs> for Shmi. 
Do you remember in two when um when or was it three? It's three. Or which one is the one where there's the funeral for Shmi and there's the guy her like new husband is talking about her and he's like there was never a woman that could touch you quite like Shmi. He's he's, he's basically like it's it's fairly sexual if you go back and and like revisit it. It definitely was too because I remember just dying laughing with Alex when we were watching that one <laughs> during the showing. Uh, but AJ, what is your defense for this? <laughs> I, basically, the plot of one is Qui-Gon sees like 12 red flags and is like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, this is a force baby. Just Anakin is half force, half shmi. He's already too old. There's all sorts of red flags. He can't control his emotions, and he's like, clear out. I got this. He also, like, somewhat knows that Padme is the queen, but also doesn't at the same time. He bets recklessly on pod racing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And wins like a champ. He has a gambling problem. This has some crossover with. Uh, this whole Jordan documentary now that I'm thinking about. <laughs> and then as I was re-watching it, you find out that like he was behind the clone army order and you're like why did they give him so much latitude to do whatever he wanted? When, so did, did he take advantage of bureaucracy in a way that was really kind of, re- he went rogue. Right, because when they get back they're like, oh my god, Qui-Gon like, you're a rogue badass and it's like then why are you letting him make all these decisions if you know that he's giving a giving power? <laughs> so You're giving him exactly so much latitude. Well, so much of the point of the Jedi Council of the prequel is that they had lost their way and they had lost their kind of ability to have sound judgments. And, and Qui-Gon is a favorite character and, you know, is a renegade and, and whatever. And like his, his indiscretion didn't, didn't, show up on the radar because I, I think we're meant to see the Jedi Council in one, two, and three as being kind of uh, less than they should be. Like th- th- this is a body that has been like what, like a thousand years they've, they've been the guardians of the galaxy and uh, they are in a place of vulnerability because of um, essentially institutional kind of like uh, uh, inertia and just like they're as bureaucratic as the Senate is. Mm-hmm. And they right. crumble under their own weight. Like that's the right. point is that they've gotten so big, they just cannot sustain what they're doing mm-hmm. and they just fall apart. Like this, this one guy who the Senator Palpatine, who's super close to them can then just create this huge political Shakespearean plot that they're like, these magical beings with force powers cannot decipher any of it at all. Right. Well, you know, why? He appeals to them. He appeals to their vanity. You know, he's Mm -hmm. he's a politician through and through. Calpy is one of the great creations of one, two, and three. Like, I I really think that the value of those films is watching the, uh, you know, it's a Julius Caesar-esque type of like rise to power. You know, it's like, you know, Lucas is obviously riffing on classical you know yeah. rise to dictatorship you know and uh palpy like that actor by the way ian mcdermott is uh underrated i think for these 
Pretty no cool. relation, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, we need Ian McDermid, M-I-D, at the end. Whatever. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take that as my last name. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> we're kind of wrapping up on time for, I guess, the prequel section. Oh. So uh, moving on, do we want to sort of jump more to the original trilogy or the sequels? I think Alex wanted to make a last word just before. No, we... I just, there was just so much space politics. <laughs> like, I don't. You and every eight-year-old who watched that thought the same thing. <laughs> like, Hold on. You didn't like the vote of no confidence in the Senate in episode one and how that was shockingly 20 minutes of the movie? So you're saying we should have had Sorkin write the political side of the space politics. And like, that would have been great, by the way. Like, the space politics, talks. like, potential is great. Like, like a quick walk, like some walk and talks, like a little, like, Mace Windu, like, handoff with bodies. Like, it'd be great. There's some kissing baby scenes. Yeah, you know, all that, all that good politician stuff. All right, that, that's my pick. Episode, episode 12, directed by, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, produced by J.J. Abrams. All right, so where do you want to go from here, Alex? Do you want to go original trilogy? So the four, five, and six, or do you want to jump into the sequels? I mean, I want to say I watched the sequels right after we went in to quarantine with my girlfriend, Jessica Berry, and her parents. I, I love how you're just announcing that for the podcast right now. Oh, <laughs> is in a painting behind him, by the way, for the record? Nope, nope. No one can see it. Nope. There's no, no visual for this podcast, so no one yeah, can Yeah, I know it. there's no visual, but I'm telling so, the listeners okay, right okay, now just, that there is a framed portrait nope, behind No corroboration. I'm just saying, I've seen those second most recently. The, the so sequ- I think that's the direction I would like to go now. Yeah, you like to go to the sequels. All right. Before we jump in there, uh, this one's a fun trivia, or I guess a harder trivia one. So I'm definitely going to give you more time on this, and this will be the only question I ask for this round. Okay. Um, and that will be, can you name all the planets that Master Yoda set foot on in the six canon films? So the original six. So this doesn't include, obviously – any appearances on The Last Jedi or by Force Ghost? This is just Dagobah. him. And the Bodega system. Dagobah. Dagobah. Cashing. One at a time here, people. Uh, hold on. I'll give you the total first. So there's one, two, three, four, five. And Force Ghosting doesn't count. Uh, Wait, yeah. He doesn't set foot on Endor. Force Ghosting does not count. Oh, okay. 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 Sorry. Because the Force Ghost does appear on Endor in that little like handhold moment at the end. They're right. floating in the air, though. No setting foot there. <laughs> okay. Oh, so- okay. We're just no force ghost involved. So <laughs> when, he, when he dies in Return of the Jedi, that's it. He's he's died on he's dead on Dagobah. He goes nowhere else. Okay. Dagobah and Coruscant are his safe places. Uh, he, he's on the he's at the fight with General Grievous. He's on that planet. Uh, uh, on pal. No, uh, he's on he's on Kashyyyk. Kashyyyk. Is that the with, tr- yeah. with, he's also on Geonosis. His fight in two is on Geonosis. What yeah. about Tatooine? Never goes. No, he doesn't go to Tatooine. Nope. What about the Freezy planet? Doesn't he doesn't go, go to Hawk. No. Okay. He's not been introduced by then. Does he go to Utapau? Yes or no? He does not go to Utapau. Only uh, Obi-Wan was sent to Utapau. Mm-hmm. So that's... We're missing one. So they go. Dagobah, Coruscant, Geonosis. Oh, um, Alderaan. When they when they split up the children at the end, is that a different planet? Alderaan, yeah. Is Alderaan? Oh, to be Alderaan, okay. Is it really? Well, they're 
That's where, space. where Leia's from. Leia's planet. Not Alderaan. What, what, what children? Oh. At the end, when she's giving birth, which... Um, no, because the guy... It was like on a... It wasn't on a ship. On a ship? The, okay. the guy takes her takes the one kid back to Alderaan. Right. right. And one of the yeah, great cinematic Alderaan. moments of... We should just split them up, but also send one of them back... To Uncle Owen, as if Darth Vader would never look there for the child. One, a pauper. We are past the. To be fair, he had to go there, right? I mean, four exists. Are you talking about fate? Are you talking about like fate and destiny right now? I'm talking about movies that existed previous. You know, (laughs) talking about being tied down by your own editing. George is like writing the writing the screenplay for three. Like, oh, I hate 1977, George. <laughs> well, you know he did. He hated 1977 George when he made the film in 1977 too. Damn it, a lot George, of Why'd you do so much Are we even still talking about planets? Uh, yeah, there was one left. Nothing. I got nothing. So nothing. apparently, it was mentioned but not shown. Oh, oh wow! Which is a huge cop. It's a huge cop out. Which is why I, I kind of like this question because it's just a dick. All right. Um, apparently, you want to give us a hand? Or or you want to give us a hand? Go to Camino. Oh, oh! To get the clones, there's right. One, there's one because he shows up in three with the clones. Because how else would he have gotten them unless he went to Camino? Yeah, that's and then there's that's when he shows up on Gen uh, Genios, or yes, Genios. Alex has a question. Genosis. Uh, yes, where is Jar Jar from again? Naboo. 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 But he's Naboo. under. He's under the water in Naboo. The Gungan city under Naboo. Under the sea in Naboo. <laughs> <laughs> we are going home. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Inspiring. So, anyway, so we're gonna start talking about the sequels now. Um, so no more Jar Jar speak is going to take place on this. <laughs> it, it's 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 just us now. It's just us. now. So, where did you start with the sequels then, Alex? That's Kylo Ren. I mean, we started with Force Awakens. One, two, three, four, five, seven. There we go. You got seven. What do you think about that one? Because there's a lot I of. Liked it. I mean, I was really into it <laughs> and like following along with what was going Like, I wanted to sit and watch the next one that night. And I think it had like a lot of that sort of original energy of trying to get like a good cast and that good sort of camaraderie together that I feel was missing, I guess, from these prequels that I've been watching. So what are Lisa saying? <laughs> oh, we we just got sued by Disney. <laughs> okay, so all I gotta say is with with the new ones, I you know, I felt that episode seven was just a total cop out because it is literally point for point a new hope. It's the same movie. Yeah. It's it's there's nothing original there in that storyline. This is the fun part though, because now you're you're, you're seeing it from Alex's point and he's saying he loves it because it was because he didn't have that sort of rooted like notion that for like of like watching for his whole life. Whereas you come from the other aspect of like so Alex is almost like our token eight-year-old child right now. Using <laughs> the Star Wars universe in general, like loving it from the beginning. <laughs> say we as a society watched we watched J.J. Abrams reboot Star Trek, the film series, which arguably the first one of that of that sequence is is an excellent film. The oh my god! I love that movie. Star Trek the 09. 
Star Trek. I think I saw it in theaters four or five times. It was exceptional. It's great. We've seen him do that. We know he's got Cloverfield in his pocket. We know he's done so many other things. And what he gives us for the first Star Wars movie that we've had since the prequels, the first chance to do something original with this gigantic world is... The this third exact thing same thing. Star Wars, the same thing. Like that for me, that was where I got disappointed. I totally get like this return to camaraderie and love and friendship is fun, but like you kind of, oh wow, she's going to be an important character. She has a weird staff that doesn't resemble a lightsaber at all. Oh, that's not R two D two. It's a soccer ball. Like every <laughs> single thing was kind of like it's kind of a little bit just a, too much like the first one. It's yeah, Disney but it, it depends Disney is what just you take it easy. It depends what you love about Star Wars. Like, do you love the world building and the storytelling, or do you love the filmmaking? Because, like, there is something truly historic and exceptional about 4, 5, and 6 and the filmmaking there. And Force Awakens by J.J. Abrams, which, you know, he, by all accounts, is a film nerd, was a cinema experience, right? Like, I didn't go to that one and I was like, I'm looking for a new story. I went to that one and I was like, I'm looking for a cinematic blast, right? And like, there were some great characters, by the way. Like the new trilogy excels, the, the Kylo Ren characters, I think. Um, the reintegration of the tactile physical effects versus the over CGI of the prequels, exceptional, well done. Um, I mean, yes, the plot line is Star Wars, but like, did we really go to four, five, and six for the plot? I guess that's true. I guess it was really more we, I, I just thought that we had the opportunity to get some plot. And, and if you watch Mandalorian, which Steven passionately got me to invest in Disney Plus four, and that was the only reason I bought it, but it was, was an exceptional, here's a world, it's an open, it's, it's a whiteboard. All you have is everything that came before and you can do anything with it. And yep. they did Mandalorian, which I think is an exceptional series with some great marketing ploys built in in Baby Yoda, which that's a, can be a different conversation we, we can have if you want. But I, I just think what they did in, in building this, this, this mythology, building on top of it, taking this American story that's as, as part of our culture as Captain America or the X-Men, it, it took us another place that we hadn't yet seen. And that was what I was hoping for when 789 came, not like a return to the Skywalkers and, you know, Luke on a planet by himself, would you get like half a breath of him in the first movie and then the weird drinking thing in the second one and then he like force goes to the planet and then I, I didn't, that's why I didn't watch three. I'm like, I don't, this is going to make me angry because one and two made me sad. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but two plot wise was a complete derivation from Star Wars. Like that, that was like... Awesome. I, I like that, but that's also probably my biggest like argument against why that whole trilogy failed within itself. So we can go. So back. That's yeah. We, I we, love the second movie. Yeah, I me too. Love that movie. I love parts. I love, there's parts. Yeah. Put me on record. I love Last Jedi. Yeah, there, it's so good. But I think it's not a movie that belongs in a trilogy, just because it's so small. It's so insular to like one part of the story of what all those characters are dealing with. And the idea of like it being wrapped up in a future movie doesn't make sense. Like if there was just a long arc of Star Wars movies about these characters developing and doing whatever they wanted with the story, fine. That's a great entrance in that movie. But if they're trying to wrap it up by the next one, 
and the ninth one is just blows it. It's awful. They're just like cutting things left and right, and they're just ending storylines without even talking about them. The second movie is great, but I just I agree with Garrett in that the first movie just recreates episode four, and then they just don't know what to do with the fact that they have this giant universe and this cool like lore and mythology that they can operate within, and they just do nothing. They just do the same thing. Just to build on that, and and I also think I have the same opinion about uh, uh, the the most recent Avengers films, which I'm Marvel through and through. These are Marvel pictures behind me. Like, I'm all about it. I worked there. I loved it. I lived it. I almost quit working at Marvel because of the Avengers Endgame movie because you made me watch Spider-Man die with my own eyes. Like, why why would you do that? Why would you do that? I feel (laughs) the same way about Star Wars. Why, Why do I have to watch Han Solo die? I didn't have to do that. You chose to make me do that. I didn't want to see that. You made me watch it. I didn't need that. It didn't make my life you, better. You know, you know that was a Harrison Ford thing. Because in two and three, or five and six, he wanted, to die, and he wanted to die in Empire because he, he thought wanted that to was die. Like right? And Lucas wouldn't let him because Lucas didn't want to lose that character. Well, you right? lost the fan. And so J.J. So <laughs> Abrams wanted to correct that, essentially. And like, yes, Harrison Ford, I will kill you. <laughs> right kill me kill me <laughs> i uh he wanted it one of anyway I, I i want i have one point about wrapping up um there was something about like yeah there was like you know last jedi was great and, and it and it put forward this wrapping up to the next film and it never happened obviously because another director came on but like think about it like the best film in the star wars canon is empire strikes back inarguably and there's no fucking wrapping up happening there. Hold on, AJ seems to have an argument against that. How, that is who insane. Empire Strikes. There's no wrapping up. That no. ends on the note of like what's happening next. Like the so, fact that the ball I mean, is in the air at the end of that film is exhilarating. So no. you think the self-containment of four is I, four, a New Hope is a complete movie. Five Empire just opens up so many loose ends that in many ways balloon into what the issues of all of the sequels become. It opens up so much more of like, this is important, this is also important, this is that's important. a hot take and I like it. Yeah, if wow. that's the cost, if that's the cost like of creating Empire, the best game in the saga, no, no. so I, I like Empire, but like a new hope is a very contained spectacular movie like i rewatched the opening empire today Uh, the opening well actually i watched the opening to a new hope and empire but the opening to a new hope is great just the uh, the spaceship it still holds up over 40 years later and i it's it's a contained movie it makes sense every plot point lines up empire is a little messy at points and why i think the strongest of the new movie is one one at a time. One at a time. Oh, I, I was saying, I think that's what makes Rogue One the best movie of the new ones because it builds on what made New Hope so good. You're still in that time. Nothing has happened yet in the story. Like you're still on a, on a blank canvas, oh. and it leads directly into the best movie of the series. To AJ's point, which is New Hope. I, I, I now I might be swayed that that four might be better than five in terms of just originality, creativity. Listen, listen. Four is my favorite. Okay, the one that I remember the most, the one that makes me cry at the end, just because I, it brings me back to my childhood. Like it, that is a powerful, emotional, important film. Maybe the most important film ever made, honestly. 
Wow. Like, seriously, in terms of like the business of film, like we can get into that, whatever. Empire is a move. That's cinema. Like that. That's actually there are there are there are stakes. There's darkness. There's characterization. There's actually good dialogue, which like doesn't exist outside of that film in this series, unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever. But like, you know, I mean, it it, it depends. Are we talking about like uh, a? I mean, you put it pretty well, AJ. Like, is it a self-contained experience that we want, or is it this kind of like? I leave disturbed type of thing. So I know, and I get it. I, but the thing is, the way that they were made, right? Like, so there's Star Wars. Like, it was not episode four when it was released, right? Yeah. Empire Strikes Back was released to be the second in a trilogy. And you can tell. It's like intentionally a little loose. And then it has I Am Your Father, which... Uh, is if not the most iconic, one of the top five most iconic moments in film. But then at the same time, not to sort of Lucas's detriment or Kasdan or whoever you want to blame, but like every other movie after that's trying to chase like the I am your father complex, which is why the whole Ray BS in episode nine. That, the well, only no, that was the worst part of that film. That was that was a complete. I'm getting. I'm getting a, yeah, I'm getting a dark there signal from Steven. Yeah. <laughs> I, of, we're, not, we're not touching nine. I don't think today. I don't think we're going to go there. There's. there's no, so time like, okay, so even like me, who I've had, you know, maybe four months of connecting even me. To, <laughs> to the even Star me, the Wars. boy. <laughs> May I proceed? reclaiming my time reclaiming my time the star wars universe like i had only been invested in this like four months and i had fallen like in love with it like watching these star wars movies i was thinking oh my god i wish like i want to go get like the legos and build some like tie fighters and shit but like that moment where she says that she is a Skywalker, I am like, no, absolutely not. We were like that too. And that hasn't been in like my, you know, experience for years and years and years like it has been for you guys, you know? Episode nine made me want to vomit. All of the popcorn and icy that I had eaten and consumed while watching that movie, just on myself. I was just so disgusted. And having seen that, I it is to, the worst movie. I it is awful. But that was more from motion sickness than anything because of that movie. Because <laughs> of the cuts that it felt like they were doing, where they would just light, they would jump in and out of light speed. I was like, oh, that's possible now? Okay, that's a, that's a new one. Um, yeah, planets? But... Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We can heal yeah. now, we can jump in and out of light speed and drop shit off. Like, it, it, the rules. Oh, oh <laughs> force, force healing renders the entire entire eight previous movies obsolete yeah here's the hot entire prequel like story arc that's the whole point of darth vader is to heal people right the whole point of his quest turn to the dark was to save his loved ones because he had too much emotion at stake and apparently you can have emotion as a jedi as well but apparently if you that's only a new thing 100 years after i don't know it's Ugh. It's all fucked up. Well, my, my, my only take is that the only reason that the, that trilogy failed was because they failed to have one person in charge of that whole creative direction. So, oh, yeah. I, really, I really blame it on like I don't know who's like Kathleen. It's either Kathleen Kennedy over at Star Wars, or if it's maybe like Disney big heads. But I wouldn't 
say I would it's, blame it's Disney. Inevitable. It's inevitable. It was inevitable. The hot take here is that Disney was not a good steward for Star Wars, and there was not going to be a large corporation that was going to be a good steward for Star Wars. Because that's not a, that's Star not a, Wars. We don't know. Okay. I actually don't know because they have yeah. Marvel and they have Kevin Feige who has done a great job as a creative helmet. Feige wasn't involved but, um, in the new trilogy. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I'm just saying that Disney also <laughs> owns Marvel, but they have enough of a leash where they have Kevin Feige installed as a creative hive mind of steering that ship. Whereas for on Star Wars, who the hell was that person involved? Was nah, it- let, me, let me make my point about, about uh, okay, I'm, I'm not critical of Disney on this as, as much as I'm critical of any corporation owning Star Wars. The first Star Wars was an act of cinematic um, revolution, okay? And then Empire was a capitalization on that. Return was the beginning of the kind of like mass market like we did it because it's Ewoks and they sell toys, right? And that just continued on. But like Star Wars was born out of experimental filmmaking. George Lucas thought of himself first and foremost as an avant-garde filmmaker. And he wasn't interested in narrative storytelling. We can get back to that when we switch to the original trilogy. How about that? All right. That is, that is, I, that is your soapbox right there. <laughs> and I think to like build off of Josh's point real quickly, because I know I've talked about this with Garrett, like when you have the entire universe or galaxy as the like canvas upon which to paint your story and you choose to center it around like one bloodline of Skywalkers, you're just going to run out of things to talk about. Mm-hmm. And the Mandalorian just like, like, I, I think Disney can do it because the Mandalorian shows, like, they trusted John Favreau, they trusted Dave Filoni with this to run and see this whole series through and really get people amped about it. I think they can do it, but I think you just have to say, like, hey, there's this entire universe you can tell a story within. How does the human condition and existence exist on, outside of our Earth and onto the galaxy? Well, and we talked about that in the sense, because this was right around when uh, DB and Dave uh, from Game of Thrones got hired to mm. build a new trilogy. It's no longer happening. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying, the excitement we were talking about was take two guys who are, who are storytellers or take any, give me a Vince Gilligan spin on, on Star Wars. Give me an Aaron Sorkin standalone film. You know what I mean? Give me something that you can then, you know, just completely take this mythology that exists and write a narrative within it. But to, to Stephen's point, what the Mandalorian does is, yeah, there's aftermath and reverberations from Empire and, and, and the, the, all of the madness of politics that was happening in the world that then they were able to take, you know, one alien species here and there, build a couple others, take the concept of a Mandalorian and, and this like warrior race and, and, and like, let's create something beautiful. And then I think, I think that was, it's honestly, it's better than any of the new movies. I think Rogue One did something amazing in terms of like giving context to that whole story, not to mention the badass Darth Vader at the end. Um, Alex, have you seen Rogue One also? Is this included in your watch? No, no, this is the one that I need, but I hear it's, incredible like relative to yes as- it, it, definitely a good like filler piece where much like kind of like how last jedi was but it didn't fit like an episodic format this is one of those things that it's like it's a really small like insular story that actually lends itself as like, it ties in really well to a crucial narrative point of episode four uh without actually like opening up much, many more plot holes i think right but it uh, is like a standalone yeah it's Correct. pretty it's pretty standalone it's like inception as well as its conclusion 
Uh, it so literally goes to the first second of New Hope. It start the New Hope starts with the second of this movie ends. And they made they made the start of New Hope better. I I would. Oh yeah, I agree with that. No, um, not only is there that great Darth Vader, that great Darth Vader moment at the end, but like uh, actually hot take, or I don't know if this is that hot. Honestly, like the best space battle outside of the original trilogy is Rogue One. And it's because there was great attention and care given to kind of recreating the texture of the original dogfights in space. Like if you recall the like rebel ship that rams into the Star Destroyer, do you remember that? You didn't, you didn't like when Anakin was doing a space battle? You didn't like? I hate the episode three opening. It's so, and, and Here's the it's interesting. Completely, they're completely parallel. It's completely video game. I don't want that, right? Mm-hmm. Like Rogue One did a really great job. Wasn't that Gareth Edwards? Yeah. Well, so Edwards started, he got credit, but I forget, someone came in after to finish. Someone came in, yeah. So 30% of it or something is reshoots, which is crazy when you watch it. That's absurd. That's a lot lot of reshoots. It works, but a lot of it is reshoots, which is crazy. You could probably have have added like two characters to just reshoots alone. Yeah, no, so apparently whatever Edwards left, because it is, he did Godzilla, right? Whatever. Yeah. Oh wow, because that went super well. Alright, so it sounds like we're more towards the original trilogy now since the whole ship sort of steered towards there. So before Ooh, we go in there. Before we go in there, we got two more questions for the trivia crew. Excellent. Before we dive more into I guess the soapboxes yeah. of the original trilogy. Um wh- what lies below the Jedi Temple on Coruscant? Sacred texts. Next question. <laughs> Steven? Uh, you're you're uh, gonna, you're gonna, if you guys don't get this, you're going to absolutely fucking lose your shit over what's underneath the Jedi Temple. <laughs> the graves of all the Sith that they've defeated? I have no clue. No clue. A brothel. <laughs> Kyber crystals? Daddy Wan Kenobi. It was... Ooh. Luke's lightsaber? No, Alex. <laughs> oh, that's such a fresh reference. Before Luke was born. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, it was an ancient Sith temple that the Emperor used as a secret lair to study the dark side of the Force. How, How did he get away Steven with it? Pretty close. <laughs> How, no. did pretty close? How did Palpatine get away Steven with anything? On that one. So not only did he just have his whole plan go unbeknownst to the entire Jedi Council, but he also had his own secret pad underneath the temple that he would go to to study. Wait, uh, Alex, what do you think about uh, what do you think about Palpatine's <laughs> costuming? A little cloudy. <laughs> Palpatine's costume, like where she gets her like shirt ripped open. No, that's Padme. No, not Padme. Palpatine. Like Palpatine. Like how how obvious a villain can you be wearing the velvet robes, right? You know, coming in yeah, and true. like how ostentatious. Did I really just mix up Palpatine and Padme? Common you error. You did. Oh man. Uh, what did I have? One more here. I had one more. There were two oh. questions. Yeah. Also, I got really confused earlier because I thought we were talking about if Judd Apatow 
directed. Would love that. Also, would love that. To be fair, (laughs) I would love to see Judd Apatow direct Adam Sandler in space. (laughs) Jesus, Seth Rogen. What does Adam Sandler play in Star Wars? James Franco just plays a Wookiee. Doesn't no lines. Wait, 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 wait. Steagle has to be a Wookiee. Adam Sandler plays Greedo. Oh, perfect. Standalone movie about Greedo. <laughs> it's just uncut gems in space. That's what it should not shoot Who does Kevin James at Punch Drunk Love in space? I think Jeff is getting a little disturbed. <laughs> well, what am I doing? <laughs> or annoyed. Well, I'm trying to figure out. I was trying to look up where the other question I had for you guys was. Um, I think, I think while you guys ramble in the background. Kevin James would either play the droid. Or, like or like the pilot. He would play like the this like the Porkins. sad pilot. He played Porkins. He played Porkins as like son. Well, Porkins was uh wasn't that John Porkins? Oh no, John Favreau was the 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 pilot in the Han Solo movie. Right. Mm. Oh. Forgot about that. Okay, last question before we you know, I just kind of let you guys off the chain back again. Uh. So there was a Jedi Council member that was created because Lucasfilm noticed that during the Battle of Geonosis in Attack of the Clones, uh, it did not visually match the portrayal of the same character in The Phantom Menace. So uh, I guess there was a Jedi Council member who was supposed to be portrayed in Attack of the Clones, and they noticed during the editing or the film that it didn't match up right in the editing with who they intended it to be, so they created a new person out of that. What? Uh, I the think they accidentally, no. create, they accidentally created a whole new character because uh, in the time is this of the, the female it's Yoda? No, it's it's the tall, like lanky character, right? With the tall head. Yeah. Someone the the attack on the Wookiees guy. The guy with the white beard and he's got a really very tall narrow head. head. He's always like okay. he's always zoomed. Tall head. It's not Kit Fisto. Kit Fisto rules in Clone Wars. No. What about, is that the guy with all like the snake heads or something? Yeah, he's got like the Bane mask or something. Yeah. Uh, no, the snake heads is uh, Hercules, right? Different Disney property. I'll give you a hint. It's a girl. Okay. Yeah, it's the female Yoda. It's not the female Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> the female Yoda only. Is- she's only in the first one. She doesn't pop up ever again. Is it oh, that's too bad. Um, it says Stas Ali, but like these are all names that like I don't know what they look. Prince Ali, fabulous, and she was retcon retcon to be the cousin of Jedi Council member Adi Galia, who appeared in the Phantom Menace. That's Uh, too deep. (laughs) This is really deep. This is really deep. I mean, these are like the hardest questions, and this was the only one where I was like, oh, maybe you can take a shot in the dark. There's some like prospective student who's like they can't get these. Like, what am I? What am I doing even applying to Marshall? Yeah. That's not true. That no prospective is gonna say they didn't. What was the name? You're right. No prospective. Adi Gali or something. Uh, no prospective is gonna be like they didn't get Adi Gali. Fuck this. <laughs> if you did, come find us. How woo? Oh, so yeah, there's also prospective students that probably came across this episode and changed their mind entirely. So let's just (laughs) come and and train with us. You Um, have nothing better to do. So now we're on to the original trilogy. 
for the last, I guess, 15 or so minutes that we have left for recording here. And so uh, I know Alex sort of got a very unconventional, I guess, experience with this, but you did get four, five, and six in order. Is that correct? I did, yes. So this yeah. is, okay. Four, five, and six were in order. There was a big gap between four and five, but we did get there eventually. Was there? We watched them the same night. No, we watched them the we watched same night. Five there together. was a big gap between five and six, but we got there eventually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, when did you get back around to watching the sixth one then? Uh, over Christmas break, I guess. Mm. We, we, watched these we watched these. We watched it this spring. Um, over spring break. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this guy. What month do you think it is right now? <laughs> this is a more important question. <laughs> it's Wednesday, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Alex, what was your what was your grandstaking take on that trilogy? As like, think of it. I guess from a since this was the only trilogy for at least twenty so odd years, what was your take on just ignoring everything else as hard as you can, if you if that's possible? and just looking at this trilogy from an isolated standpoint? I mean, the first one was just so good. And I think what I, sort of why I was hesitant to watch the series for so long was I thought it was so serious. And I thought it was like so much, I guess, getting back to the Phantom Mantis, like space politics and everything. But I didn't realize sort of how like universal it was and how sort of playful the whole series was um yeah so that was sort of my big takeaway was it was i just saw how you could like really connect and see yourselves in these characters even though they're taking place in a land and time that's nowhere near our own um yeah yeah that was i mean that was my big like takeaway from that. very eloquent way of putting it for an eight-year-old but yeah <laughs> <laughs> how did you feel on the first pass about uh episode episode six the the return of the jedi oh yeah did you like the book or like the ewoks or did you hate the ewoks oh, yeah. Good question. i mean i i enjoyed the ewoks overall like I like that whole world. It was just so different than what we had experienced so far in the series up to then. Like and, I, the the whole plot line of okay, they're building another Death Star. We have to destroy and find the weakness on like this Death Star again was a little contrived, but like I don't know. I'm willing to forget it. What about what about the incest? <laughs> it's not incest. They just kiss. Incest what? isn't kissing. You kiss your sister with that mouth. Josh is getting defensive. Did I miss something? <laughs> oh my god! Maybe he did. I think you did. <laughs> it's not yeah. incest if you don't know and it's just a kiss. If it's if it's you don't know and penetration, it's an incest. <laughs> oh, it like this. It was only a kiss. It was only a kiss. <laughs> Listen, guys, some killers vibes here. <laughs> um, I, Alex, I love that you used the word playful. Like it, it, it's so playful, and like the legacy of those those first films is like, as a film nerd, and like actually, like I can fully say it. My film nerdiness comes from four, five, six. Like 
inarguably those videotapes are like my they're the most important physical object in my life almost like you know there there is this cinematic playfulness right and like one two and three are all about the world building and using the new cgi technology and like building up on like lucas's initial vision but the the limitations that were placed upon him on four and five and six really four and five were such that there were the films are so inventive right and they did things that had never been done before and the use of models was different the hanging miniatures just like from a technical standpoint they're they're really Still looks good. They're the they're like the Pixar of the seventies, where they were like kind of like a small like indie like development I mean, company really pushing the boundaries in terms of technology made. at the time to try to like make the most out of the story making experience. Except with Star Wars, they tied themselves down where they kind of stuck to the same genre for the majority of the films outside of I guess Indiana Jones. Whereas Pixar really drove to like actually expand on their technology through different mediums other than I guess toy toy storytelling. Sure. You're, you're missing industrial light and magic is still like the preeminent yeah. like, oh, yeah. house. like they, they, they absolutely were and are like matt like i don't believe disney owns ilm i think they i'm not sure they they own them specifically they obviously own lucasfilm but i think ilm is still a standalone because they're so i mean they know what they're doing everyone goes to ilm everyone goes to ilm like and ilm has embodied lucas's philosophy of big massive money-making pictures finance small art film yeah it is a division division underneath lucasfilm oh so so disney does own them interesting so they do own ilm i mean that obviously that probably was definitely something that they want to purchase as well with that however many billion dollar earmark that they had for four four billion yeah yeah, and Lucas was pissed because Pixar was seven, wasn't it? Six. Six or seven? It was more than Lucasfilm. But to your point, Fez, I mean, the, like, there's enough. Pixar is a diversified portfolio, and, and Lucasfilm is like, they had done Star Wars, they had done the Indiana Jones films, and they did Red Tail. Right. Well, in terms of production, like, they had, like, Pixar had movies on slate. They were actually, like, a running ship. Whereas Lucasfilm, I don't know, they kind of been at that point appeared to be coasting on a lot of their previous successes. And for mm-hmm. the most part, I mean, other than the prequels that came out, the only thing I can say that came out that was related to, I guess, Lucasfilm would, I would just argue to be all the random video games that they pumped out at that same time. Uh, the animated series, what's who, when did that come out? Clone Wars. Clone Wars, that started airing in like 2005, 2006. Well, I mean, they must have had some playing out, no? It had some legs there, but it only it got canceled, I believe, in 2010, and yeah. then it got, back, it got brought back for its last season when uh, Disney put it on Disney. Yeah. Can, yeah, I, Netflix, can I ask? Netflix did a season of it, but just oh, yeah, before okay. we get too far off from Return of the Jedi, I think this is a like weird take, but I think one thing that I loved about the Ewok planet was not being from California. Like the first time I came up here and saw the Redwoods. Oh. Like, you really could see how George Lucas could envision, like, other planets based on Mm. certain experiences. And I just remember, like, walking around. I think I was, like, 23 or 24 and I saw it. And I just felt like a little kid. I mean, the trees are gigantic, so you always feel little. But I just felt like I was on Endor seeing this. And it just, you Mm. could imagine 
like Josh was alluding to, just how George Lucas has this huge creative mind and being able to see these places on our own planet and envision a larger galaxy about it. It was so So cool. much of the pleasure was how you brought it into your own world. I can't tell you the number of times I got on my bike and I rode around like it was a speeder bike through Endor. Right? <laughs> well, that's what they do in the Family Guy remake. Oh my god, I forgot you watched that too. <laughs> that that's a great film. This is so good. <laughs> We got to put Spaceballs on your list, too, actually. Yes, oh, Spaceballs. That is like the unmatched parody film of all Use time. Use the Schwartz. Use the Schwartz. The Schwartz is as big as mine. I found that rig in a box of Cracker Jacks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in Spaceballs, too. The search for more money. <laughs> Where are we? We're now, sir. <laughs> when, when was then? Then was five seconds ago. Now we're now. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so, so, so I think what we're all, I think the fight that we had about the, the, uh, the original trilogy, four, five, six, is whether or not four is better than five and five is better than four. I think that's a debate that, that cannot be settled in this moment. I, I do think that's a very spirited thought. I, Alex, would you concur that six is not better than either of those two movies? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think six is like the neglected what would you put about would you say anything is better than four or five of the additional films that you've seen in the star wars universe does anything come close oh my god I will, you know i would have to watch them again to get like an objective sense. i think like the excitement that i got from watching like number seven was just i don't know because it was like that experience of wanting to go on the internet and like talk to all of like everybody on forums about the rumors of like, who is this Ray person? Like, I don't know. I got really excited and, and really involved in that. But like, even though all the forums have been dead for like four <laughs> yeah, years. But it was still like can, that can we talk to- about the trailer for Force Awakens and how incredible that was? Delightful. Yeah. It was a good trailer. Like, you remember when that came out? Like, I mean, that was just, like, a shot in the arm. I mean, there's always been this, like, supplemental or, like, auxiliary stuff with Star Wars. Like, one of my favorite memories or, like, my favorite pieces of content from the world of Star Wars is the, um, on the, on the, the VHS set where it was the half faces. It was, um, Vader's face on New Hope and Yoda's face. No, uh, a stormtrooper's face on uh, Empire and Yoda's face on Return. It starts with a trailer for the whole trilogy, and it's like, for the last time, your family can enjoy Star Wars. And it's like a beautifully cut trailer, right? And then they bring on the interview with Leonard Maltin, which I always skipped as a child, but now I love to watch. You know, it's like, there's there's so much kind of like auxiliary content, uh, in, which is about our appreciation of Star Wars, which is so engaging when you say auxiliary i think the thing that came to my mind was actually john williams and i think if if john yeah. Williams won you know he'd been primed a little bit by by that little movie called jaws and i, I you know he he what he did for that movie that trilogy this this whole series it, it it heightens the whole thing you know you could say the same about like what howard shore did to lord of the rings you know a, a composer can really change the game you know what the uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name but the guy for game of thrones and westworld like defining a world with music and sound is so important and what they've done by putting 
the the just the the music in your head that now we can all like you all have different experiences with those you know when it comes to anything in your life you know you've heard the the imperial march with with ex-girlfriends you know it's 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 the whole you know the just the joy of those songs <laughs> the way that they play into our psyche i think are it's it, instrumental to use a terrible pun but i i think you know it's i think that it is, is. That, john williams is a huge he's a huge part like you know lucas's original vision was a was a techno kind of like electronic soundtrack but he wanted john williams and john williams said no said, classical approach it's an orchestra and like yeah i actually think john williams accounts for over half of the importance of star wars like it's just it's just there by the way this is my favorite trivia about music and star wars and it blows my mind all the time the Imperial March doesn't appear in New Hope. Right. Doesn't happen until the second yeah, one, right? The yeah. The dun 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 It doesn't happen in New Hope, which just blows my mind. Uh, actually, it's time. Leaning off of that, uh, I think this is probably the last point we'll touch on for, I guess, before we wrap things up. But AJ, you mentioned having had read the original, I guess, the original scripts. <laughs> from back when before any, any of this editing sort of made episode four a real thing so i just wanted to you didn't really dive into the details there so i was hoping you could yeah, so i took i took an undergrad like screenwriting class to get an easy a help my gpa um i'm already into marshall so they don't need to know about that for my undergrad gpa <laughs> <laughs> we read the original screenplay for Star Wars and it like is contained on one planet and it is awful. It is so bad. It's like basically the it's basically the Empire attacking one base is like the entirety of the script. And I forget Luke is basically Han Solo and Luke in one character. Oh shit. Oh no! Did we lose him? Big star killer. No. Oh, he was, no, he was just giving right to the good up. part. He's got his finger up on the video, by the way. He's probably still, oh. He's probably still talking right now. Son of a bitch! <laughs> Are you He's back? back. He's, okay, Are you back? start over there, AJ. So that was obviously the most eloquent I've ever been in my life. So you got all of that, right? <laughs> yep, of course. <laughs> now, why don't you just do it one more time for the recording? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where, where do I start? Uh, <laughs> Star Wars, good. You, you're going with like Luke and Han wrapped up into one character. Oh, okay, yeah. So basically, from what I remember, it's been a while. I'm sure I have it somewhere. Um, is like the initial script was basically all on one planet. It's basically like the Empire attacking one rebel base, but the character of Luke as we know it was actually like a combination of Han and Luke together. And I could be like sort of bastardizing part of it, but it like just didn't work. There weren't character connections. It, none of it really made a whole lot of sense. And as we like, you're reading it, you're like. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> AJ's going to be pissed. The forces of the dark side. The bandwidth of AJ. Oh, damn it. Damn it. I was really drawn into that, too. We're not allowed to know, guys. We're not allowed to know. Yeah, apparently we have... <laughs> yeah. Apparently there's, like, a, a key phrase that he keeps saying that just cuts himself out. 
Yeah. Turn it, tune in next week for AJ soliloquy. Yeah, right? God damn it. All right, he's gone now. Oh, fuck, he's coming oh, back. Is he back? Very fun. We're going to oh, give one oh. more shot. Even first better time. than the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me, let me stop my video and see if that helps. I, I hope to God it helps. <laughs> All right. I knew as soon as it happened to me. So, so Han and Luke are one character. Yes. Yeah, so basically it's 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 just like kind of like almost a battle movie, but it doesn't include like the star and space wars of it. It's really on one planet where the Empire's just attacking this base. The characters, like the fun banter back and forth, the whole like hero's journey where he like rejects the call but then is you know sort of the loss of uncle owen implores him to go forward is like is missing there's all these parts missing and the final piece where he sort of completely recrafted this script is kind of almost impossible when you read the initial because the initial is awful <laughs> but he worked like really hard at it changed it and i was thinking about it earlier and josh you kind of touched upon it I was kind of thinking, like, in terms of world building, it's got to be George Lucas and Tolkien, right? Who have built the two most important oh, yeah. worlds of our time, right? Agreed. Like, and it's not even close in terms of what's on the page, what's on the screen, and also what's in pop culture. It's George Lucas and it's Tolkien. So you're not a Narnia fan? I, I've seen those movies. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> the only the only argument I would make would be just the overall marvel of it all. The the Stanley, you know, I, he he gets a lot of credit, but him and Kirby and those guys that you you could get a little point, but that all kind of exists in the modern world with different characters. But to your point, it, it, in terms of this fantastical storylines that have existed, these would be well, the two. Also, be fair, like Marvel, like kind of self contains itself within almost like an augmented reality, whereas these are Correct. all like kind of like really fictitious and out there. So. Right. If Spider-Man was doing his stuff on Naboo, I'd give it a little bit more credit. Mm -hmm. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy to see how far that came, especially because their original script treatment was so awful. Uh, there had to be a lot. I'm pretty sure there was a lot of wrangling in the editing room in terms of like holding George back from having too much say in the dialogue and stuff too at first, which is honestly probably one of the very the largest pitfall of the prequels in general. To quote he, Harrison he can build the world. He just cannot write dialogue. I, there's no even better. There's no better way. To say it. He just can't. <laughs> to, to quote Harrison Ford, you can write this shit, but you can't say it. Yeah. So he can he can write what the characters are supposed to feel and the emotions that they want to translate, but he can't put that. Oh, yeah. in words. <laughs> it it doesn't work for actors, and and that and that's why the best film in the series wasn't uh, written or directed by George Lucas. I mean. I don't that think anyone on this panel is going to disagree with you on whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, what? I will. Wait, no, you're going for five then. <laughs> yeah, wait, what? <laughs> I think no, I'm with Empire on this one. Wait, is Empire not generally regarded to be the best film in the series? Empire, I think, is, trying but to that's the wrong take. <laughs> but those people are wrong. Yeah. What, what part of that is wrong? I think I think the the core of the debate comes from what you said earlier, Josh, which is is the revolutionary nature of Star Wars One Episode yeah. New Hope. 
So what that movie did, as a, this is our my same point about Toy Story versus Toy Story three. Like Toy Story one created this world, and Toy Story three gave you this massive catharsis when they're in the dumpster and they're about to go down. But none of that matters if you don't have one and two. Two mm-hmm. episode five doesn't matter if you don't have episode. You don't have to convince me. Like I said, my favorite film by far in the trill in in the saga is New Hope. But I think it's pretty inarguable that the best film here is is Empire. I think from a cin- cinematic sense, but I think I think the point that I'm trying to make is is you can't have one without the other, right? Like you can't have Five is a great movie. It, it's it's not the same as is Godfather two better than Godfather one. It's a whole different yeah. thing. It's it's hard to put Episode four down. That's the like only thing. Like if you're comparing two, like Episode five is great, but you can't put Episode four down. It's so good. Alex, what do you like mean? I said, it's one of the most important movies ever made. Like, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a complete miracle. Else. Like, I agree. But, but, as far as acting, as far as writing, as far as emotion, as far as even the music, by the way, Empire is a superior film. Alex? It's, it's number four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not Attack of the Clones. Are you sure? We're going for. I mean, who's gonna come with a hail mary vote there? As um, far as stakes, so for as the second as time, drama, and... as far as the cinematic value, for the second time, and I guess the endless rambling because I know this could go on much longer than it needs to. Um, we're gonna tie it off with some parting thoughts here. So I kind of I'm gonna give me three things I want you to state, and so you guys can go in any order because obviously I don't know how long it'll take for you to think of this, but uh, one direction you hope the franchise can go in the future. Only one? <laughs> one. <laughs> one. We're limited to one for time, for the love of God. Uh, two is um, where do you think they'll stumble along the way or take the wrong turn? So where do you, what are you like afraid of them doing? And then three, what do you think is like the key success indicator here? So like, what do you think like is needs to happen in order to prevent going down one path versus the other? It's like, you're casing us. This is so business schooly. What are I, the key got, performance? Throw that in yeah. there a little bit. NBA is on plug, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I got to put you through the paces a little bit there. I'll start. <laughs> I think the thing that, that is the key success metric and the thing you cannot remove is actually twofold. One is John Williams or just exceptional music. Just music is so crucial. I, I mean, even if you're looking at Mandalorian, the music in that show and the way they do the sound, I think is the same guy who did Black Panther. It's like, they're, they're, it's, it's, a, it's a different world. So that's a huge indicator. But I think what we learned by putting Mark Hamill in three movies is that you have to have good actors because then they made the same mistake with Hayden Christensen and it just doesn't work. You have to have someone of, of just high caliber, high level, just true excellence. I, I wouldn't say that, so, I think Solo kind of suffered from an acting standpoint, which is what made Rogue One stand out. So there's like an actor aspect and a music. Those are I think of my two metrics. Um, the place that I would like the series to go is quieter films. Um, you know, we talked about this, I think, at one point, but like, I would love to see uh, like a political drama in space with some of those things that we know with like maybe like a, like a smuggler, a kind of a story arc that kind of ties into it with one character, but have it be more political, thought out, Sorkin-esque, maybe even like Shonda Rhimes, like you get that drama into it. And then what was the third thing you said? It was, it was metrics. Uh- uh, so there's like the where, where you hope the series is gonna go, where you're afraid it's gonna go, 
And then what's the key success factor that's going to keep it from going down one path versus the other? I mean, I think that the main, the main struggle they're going to have is the one they've had all along once since they became like, you know, the first real tentpole film of all time. And that's hitting all four quadrants. If you're aiming to hit all four quadrants, you're going to make a mistake. You know, that's, I think the, the problem they want, the thing that they have a problem with is trying to make everybody happy. And with these films, you can't make it be a marketable film necessarily and have it be good for kids and adults who've been fans for 50 years and you're satisfied the nerds and the canon. Like it's, it's, you have to have a whole body of work to make that happen. I think taking a more niche approach of, uh, you know, here's one thing I will offer. I think that's, I think that's where they could make it successful, but where they're going to fail is doing the, four quadrant film july 4th release date huge summer blockbuster thanksgiving release date making that that choice is going to make the film bigger a lot too many executives to fuck with the artists and that's going to take away the spirit of, of where the franchise came from that's that's where i agree with garrett and i think that's where my response to this is they need to leverage the fact that disney plus succeeds based on subscribers or in new subscribers so like retaining your current base and getting new ones. And I think that only exists if you have that new content content that you can keep bringing people in with. And I think Star Wars does not exist in the future, at least for the next like five to 10 years with the big blockbuster movies. It's with building out the universe, seeing what lands with people. Like Star Wars had a huge, huge fan base existing across the expanded universe with books and video games yep. that Disney, you know, I understand why they like wiped it away and got rid of it. But I think they need to say like, who are creatives that we can trust with our money? Give them your money. Let them create whatever story they want. Let them use that, like the medium of Disney Plus to share that with everybody. What, like Mandalorian was what, eight episodes, all of various lengths? Like, no, no know, were longer than an hour. Yeah, like make it a four-part miniseries where they're each 25 minutes. Who gives a shit? Like do whatever you think works for your story. Use Disney Plus to release it. You don't have any distribution cost. You just have like subscriber base to keep running it and keep fueling it. And it's just, it exists based off the creative talents and that's hard to sustain with big blockbuster movies. So that's your hope. That's your direction that you're hoping they go in. Yeah. That, that is why I would keep my Disney plus subscription. And now for the, where you're afraid they're going to go, were you more on the side of what Garrett mentioned before about how you're afraid they're going to go down the path of trying to hit all four quadrants and, yeah, because I, I, well, that too, and I think uh, a streaming, ser like a streaming service show with whatever you want it to be can hit as many quadrants as you want with like casual moviegoers, huge fans, whatever you want it to be. Yep. I think they need to avoid this concept of trilogies. It doesn't make sense sometimes, and it's okay not to be a trilogy. The original Star Wars was a trilogy. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. The prequels was a trilogy because they started with four, which means that you can only have three before that. That means the sequels had to be a trilogy. If you need, say, go into every film franchise saying this needs to be a trilogy, it doesn't matter. You're going to like put yourself into a corner. You can't do it. So go to TV shows where you can say, you know what? We're going to do an 11 show season. It doesn't matter. We could also do a 24 show season. It doesn't matter because that's the advantage streaming provides. And what, what do you think is going to be a decision point between going versus column A and column B? I think it's going to be like, I think for creating streaming content, like I, 
it's going to be hard to find cheap creatives to exist within a costly production of like Star Wars, like when you're creating aliens and worlds and CGI. That's just costly. And I think they're going to have to really be conscious about like trusting new talent. Um, and it's going to push them closer towards column B than it is column A. But I think it's just like find a director who did something really good and bring them in and just give them full reign over one project and let them run with it. Okay. The only thing I'll say on that is, is the reason Favreau was given that is because he basically pitched Iron Man, you know, from, from like that was, yeah. he's a tracker. You can't have somebody who's done, you know, a Sundance hit and then give them the, you know, the Star Wars briefcase. You know, it has to be somebody who's achieved real greatness, which is why I think them giving like Taika Waititi an episode of, uh, of Mandalorian to direct and write, which means like maybe they'd be interested in giving him, you know, you do the, the sort of yeah. what was in the shadows parody style show, or you make a Jojo rabbit and like what he's able to do. Oh. It can't be. All right, go on there, Alex. <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyone want to go next then? Um, so I just had some clarifying questions first. Um, Plastic casing. So when you say where the hell we're going, <laughs> Where yep. you hope we're going in the future? Do you have a time frame for that? <laughs> um, let's say five. <laughs> five, five, five years. Five years. Okay. Don't, don't forget you, to please. ask about geography. Hey, I hate you so much. Great, and and this is the the U.S. Correct. Uh, we are most concerned about worldwide. I'm assuming. Domestic market, yeah. Domestic market, okay. Domestic market first, international is a secondary concern. Okay. Don't forget about the Chinese market and how they don't like ghosts. Secondary. <laughs> okay, do you mind if I just take a minute just uh, to write down some of my thoughts? Well, I think it's more, it's like, is it, don't, it's don't believe in ghosts, right? Yeah, t take your time and while, while you're, while you're formulating your answers, let Josh, <laughs> Josh or AJ. Okay, great. Yeah, they don't believe in ghosts, so they don't want them in movies. So they've, they've already done that with, actually, like, uh, Disneyland rides over there. So Haunted Mansion doesn't exist over in the Shanghai oh. Disneyland. They had to rework the entire ride to go more along, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, like, almost like magic, I think, or, uh, yeah. It's almost like an Abu, Interesting. an Abu sort of situation when the Cave of Wonders kind of thing. Or is it magic going yeah. in the house rather than huh. specters and ghosts? interesting yeah i don't i don't know where it stems from but i know there's a few other movies where like if ghosts exist you you like cut them from the movies or you put them in places where the movies where you can cut them so that you can release them and it doesn't impact the story at all what about yeah. casper <laughs> uh maybe casper is why they've made this rule it was it was so uh, too bad. successful in the chinese market and they didn't want that all right alex after all that um Additional information do you think you have? Um, okay, so oh just here's a bit of my framework that I have here. I hate you. This is, this is, all, this is the podcast, so. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, but walk us through your thought process. Okay, sure. So I have Star Wars here, and I have a picture of an X-Wing, <laughs> um, which gets me down to KPIs. I think we're going to be concerned with viewership, um, the box office numbers. Uh, as well as viewer sentiment, but also, as I've just recently learned, the number of ghosts uh, involved in the series. So, 
<laughs> Which leads me over to my hopes and struggles, and I've sort of bifurcated this. Um, you know, what I'm hoping for, and this is sort of serious, on a serious note, though, is like, I, I want to see more of that sort of dark and that gray area in that exists in Star Wars. You know, there's that saying, like, only Sith steal in absolutes or whatever, but I think, you know, one thing that I like about Star Wars is that everything's not, or at least the old series, is that everything didn't always end so tidy. Like you had this funeral pyre for Darth Vader in the end, and he's been this huge evil source for three movies, just like terrifying the universe. And there's still like that inability to disconnect himself from like the familial element of that. And there's like a lot of tension there. Um, but I, but, but, but. The, so the struggles in that, though, are we are now dealing with this Disney universe, so I think everything is going to have to have sort of that more Disney glow over everything. Um, also, the economics of, of that is going to be difficult as well, now dealing into streaming universe. The new talent and new audience issue. How do we attract and maintain new talent for these projects? And also this new audience, which we don't know. We've never seen Star Wars in the time of TikTok, which I think is going to be a new um, challenge for, for our creative uh, minds. But could be an opportunity. You do like a Quibi series of Star Wars, you know, day is a droid and it's 11 minutes. You know what I mean? Or, or you could not do that. And say this. <laughs> this is where Garrett. This is where Garrett revealed his quarantine dark hole, where he's been writing scripts about droids. He's got pictures short, on a wall. Short, like, shorts. They're short because connected by so yarn. Today. <laughs> um, AJ, gosh, which one of you wants to go ahead next? Alex, that was actually really well put. That was great, Alex. I was. I, that was actually really. The frameworks. Right? You, yeah, you need it. Please take a picture of the frameworks. That actually, I really like. That's a really good take. I, I have no issues with any of that. Josh or AJ, which one of you wants to go next? I can I can go, please. Well, your video's not on, so I can't tell if you're gearing up to go or not. Yeah, no, I, I well, I'm trying to read Josh, but Josh is so stoic, uh, so peaceful. Thanks. So I'll, I'll yeah, no, I, I <laughs> please go. Ahead. William is me a lot of editing on this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, most of that's due to We're running way over what I imagined. Which I apologize. Um, Spotify's going to be like, are you sure you want to upload a seven-hour uh, podcast? <laughs> Did I stutter? <laughs> um, so for me, in terms of where I want it to go is, uh, and it's similar, I don't know necessarily where it gets released. It's probably Disney+. Plus. Maybe some of them are mainstream movies. But I'd like them to explore a lot of, the smaller things that they touch upon and talk about in these movies. So like the Jedi trials that are like a huge part of one and two that we never actually see where Jedi's trying to become part of the council, things like that. I'd really like to see whether it's like an eight, an eight episode miniseries or something like that, building out sort of these small tantalizing bits of information that we've gotten. I know there are like comic books and books about, different parts of this, but sort of building that out on the screen. Uh, my greatest fear, which I am convinced is going to happen, is roughly 10 to 15 years from now, they're going to be like, and now episode 10 is coming out next year, and it's going to be awful. 
and we're going to get 10, 11, and 12. They're going to give us a new trilogy as part of the Skywalker trilogy and be like, this is what you wanted, world. And it's decidedly not. Um, and for me, I think it, it really boils down, yes, to creatives, but it also boils down to having a story team. And it's something that Marvel had done really well even before Feige took over, is they had a team that was in charge of just the continuity of stories, what they were telling the audiences, um, and sort of what they were trying to put out there. And I think they just need a much more structured approach to their creativity, which sounds very weird. But after episode nine, you gotta you gotta put a limit somewhere. I like you can't just let that happen. I nine 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 was a travesty, and so I'd rather have no more Star Wars than another nine. Is basically where I'm at. You'd rather the ship sink as it is rather than put itself further in the ground. Yeah. Uh, and then the last part was like the critical factor that's going to be the difference between going down either path, path A, path B. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it comes down to they need just more control at Lucasfilm. I think whether it's creating sort of a panel or just Kathleen Kennedy being very involved with every decision that's made. And part of the issue with the trilogy was the time frame, And they even admitted it. It's like releasing these movies every two years was kind of ambitious and ended up hurting them because once Trevorrow was out, like Abrams had to come in and write a whole new script, film a whole new movie in basically a two-year time frame, which is incredible given the scale and the scope of these movies. So I think it just it's it's more just an institutional control. Having whether it be just one person as the point person, but having some creative team that's like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. So like having you're you're on board with having like I guess a centralized strategy team that's behind every decision being made, almost like not Kevin Feige yes, but almost like having a team similar to what his role is in terms of steering yeah. a cohesive ship rather than right. just writing project after project without any sort of notion or continuity thoughts in place. Right, because I would say that there are issues with the way Marvel attacked it because how long did it take for them to release Black Panther, which was, I mean, I and would I say. I mean, I like that was probably their best standalone movie and it took them how long to get there. So I think there's room to have more diversity in opinion. To be, so like a panel. To be fair, I think I'm pretty sure Feige wanted to get there sooner, but he was limited okay. by his ability with, correct me if I'm wrong, Gary, was it Ike Perlmutter who was like... Yeah, I, I'm not going to say anything about Ike on a podcast. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think, I think one person has its limits. I think having a team that can be like, well, here's this take from this perspective is, is better for the franchise. Gotcha. And then Josh. Yeah. Um, so um, I agree with a lot, with a lot of what's been said. Um, I, I want it to be more playful. I want it to be lower budget. I want to be, I want to be more reliant upon practical effects. I want to lean into like what made the original Star Wars so great. I think that a huge, huge problem with Disney handling Lucasfilm in the last few years is the volume thing and wanting to do a film a year. And Bob Iger's come out and said that, that was a mistake. By all accounts, he pressured Kathleen Kennedy to release a film a year. And it was a mistake because historically, 
Star Wars has been so scarce a resource, right? Think about the universe, the extended universe that was built out because there was such hunger for this content and for these stories. And it, it just built a universe of, of, uh, of, of creative endeavor, right? Um, I want to continue to see great actors. I think that Adam Driver is probably the best actor that's ever played a part in the series, uh, you know, next to Ewan McGregor. Um, I think that Kathleen Kennedy needs to stop firing um, creative talent. Like uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord had something to say about Han Solo, I think. And then that film came out and it had been watered down by Ron Howard. And I admire him, but he has a very kind of conservative taste. And that film came out being beige, you know, and it, it was going to be colorful. It was going to be clone high it was going to be 21 jump street and it got neutered um so i i, I want to see some faith in the creatives and, and and whether that's kind of like de leveraging the power of kathleen kennedy i don't know um also specifically i want to see an obi-wan in the desert when he shows up to tatooine and it's kind of like a lebowski-esque kind of like druggy like trippy like comedy like introspective philosophical film like i want to see that i want to see um you know where he really starts throwing the beard and getting in touch with the force and like make it into like a comedy crime something film i don't know um so that's where i want it to go playful creative stop stop like stop cycling the voices where i don't want it to go is the commodity uh, I don't, frankly, I don't like the MCU films. Um, I like Thor for some reason. So like the original Thor, second one was garbage, but the third Thor too, like the first and the third. And it was about the voices, right? It was Rana and it was Watiti. And they had really unique things to say. And the first one was basically like, Kenneth Rana came out and he said, these are the Shakespearean stories of our time. And he was right. And he, you know, interpolated that upon a superhero to incredible effect, in my opinion. I know that's a controversial take, but then Taika Waititi, you know, did his uh, exuberant, irreverent thing even better, you know, and like, I want to see those voices. And, and, I, and I think um, the control exercised by the Disney organism is such that those kind of voices are being cycled on Star Wars right now where they're not necessarily a marvel, by the way. So there's some kind of control thing going on there. Um, what was the third thing, Ted? Or the, uh, the crucial, I guess, the key indicator that's going to separate, like, kind of be what determines if, you, if we're going to going down column A or column B. So Right. Yeah, I mean, it's best. like, how much money? It's like, how much money can you make? You know, like, it's unfortunately like you know disney is this heralded company and i love disney and i have a great deal of admiration for it but the path they go is the path where they can make the most money so they're gonna go the way of commoditizing the thing and and uh kind of uh creating a product that can sell in china mm -hmm. okay uh, well now that we sort of had those very long-winded parting thoughts from you all. So that took way longer than I thought I was going to, uh, but don't worry. 
I have a couple of days to edit this down so that it's in a, I guess, uh, digestible size. But yeah. that's all the time we have for today for the uh, May the yeah. celebration. So I uh, just want to thank you all for being a part of the show. Again, uh, it was great talking to you all. And I'm sure if any of you listeners are out there have any sort of issues or things you want to expand upon further in regards to the Star Wars universe with the gentleman that I'm talking to today, uh, their information to contact them will be located in the show notes. So, uh, gentlemen, you've been warned. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, I was not made aware of that. <laughs> all, all discussion points that need to be brought up, please be uh, directed to the lab. Whenever the world opens up, we'll be there and awaiting your, uh, your arguments. Yes, that'll be, we'll uh, be drinking. A, a standard yeah. meeting Wednesdays at 7 p.m. at the lab that is located on uh, Figueroa Street. Until such time, uh, that has been all for NBA's Unplugged today, and I will see you guys uh, another time. So Awesome. Thanks, Raj. May the force be with you. And also with you. May the force be with you. I feel bad I did not even think of that.